1: I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Better than Us, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And we talk about this idea of preparation to fly. It's an easy thing to say just off the bat, but what does it really mean? I think most of us want our kids to be successful. And that's such a loaded word, Elizabeth. What <laughs> defines a successful child as they go into the world? Every family is different on how yeah. you define that. And you know, the place where you are in your life, that's what gets really interesting and intriguing as your kids get older and you start to interact with other families. Everybody's goals for their children are so different. But I found this um, – it's a short little article. It was in Ink magazine about how to raise successful kids. And they say this is according to science, so there are these benchmarks for what they consider, what this article considers successful. So I'll be curious as to how you feel about some of them. But first of all, we want to talk about your success and your fatigue.
0: <laughs> I don't. If I sound tired, I am tired. I am to tell
1: everybody where you are because very tired. Ti-
0: well, we had a fun um we had a fun show today uh, for Twin Cities Live. So normally, the backstory here on the podcast is that we record like midday generally. And um and then I was just so backed up and so slammed today that I said, Marjorie, can we record tonight? Which I I very rarely do because by the time it hits eight o'clock, I am like crashing, just crashing to the ground. And particularly today because I was live at a brewery. I co-hosted the show from oh. a brewery for the whole day, <laughs> and it was so fun to be back with people and um and like back in. But it is. I forgot because I just haven't done that in so long. I mean, this was our first event in more than 500 days (gasps) on Twin Cities Live. Like I used to do a broadcast like this every other month for sure. I mean, generally I'm in the studio, but every other month for sure we'd be doing these like big, um, event based broadcasts. And I forget, you know, just like the noise of the crowd. And then I have an earpiece that I wear called an IFB so I can hear, uh you know, my producer back at the studio and so I can hear programming. That's in my ear. Plus at this brewery, they had TVs going so that everybody in the brewery could watch the show as I was doing it live, which means that it's on like a three-second delay. So I can just like hear <laughs> the delayed me in my other ear. And I I just remember like, man, those things are – very fun and also like they really empty the gas tank like I get in the car after that and I'm like oh boy because
1: and part of it too is when you do a live event like that we are used to as broadcasters you get used to your breaks yeah used to like you get to sort of if there's a commercial break generally that's when you know you shut down you sort of regain your thoughts. You, you sort of plan for the next segment, but when you're out live, the breaks are when everybody comes at you. Yeah. And so you don't even get a chance to sort of like gather your thoughts. So it's just, it is exhausting. It is exhausting. So if
0: I sound tired, it's because I am tired, but you know, whatever, I'm still here and excited to talk to you. One thing I was thinking about as you were talking about success and that each mm -hmm. family defines success differently. I might even dig a little deeper into that. I think even each member of the family can define success differently even for the parents for their kids. I mean, there's just, even if you have similar like values, like I've always felt like, you know, and Jay and I have a lot of differences on a lot of things, but we always agreed on how we wanted our life to look. Like we thought this is how we We, when we kind of envisioned our life, we envisioned the same type of life. And I think that's important. So important. Yeah. That being said, I don't think that we necessarily have like the same definitions of success for our kids. I don't know if I do as, you know, I think we have different definitions of success for them.
1: That's, that's going to be a conversation. I, you know, I don't start going up, but I yeah. don't know that it's
0: a bad one. I don't know I, that it is, and I don't know if necessarily what I like about that is I think, like, I don't really need my kids to adhere to what my definition of success is or what right. my husband's is. Like, I want them to define what their own definition of success is and then achieve that for themselves, which would be kind of the same as what Jay and I do. You know, like my definition of success will probably be the day that I'm like, I'm done with everything. <laughs> but, and Jay's definition of success will be different than that. You know, I mean, we kind of are like that a little bit.
1: It, it, I think it's tricky. And I think as kids get into middle school and then high school, and the social pressures of what defines success, yeah, start to creep in on your family.
0: For sure, um,
1: that's when you, as a as as a family, have to define for each of yourselves what that's going to mean. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know this, and Jay knows this better than any of us. What defines success within athletics? What's defined success within academics? And when you know you're 15 years old, and you've got a lot of those pressures on you. It just – it becomes conversations. And I think to your point that you and Jay have different ideals of success, Ian and I did too in terms of the sort of school and athletics and those kind of things. We weren't necessarily 100 percent on the same page. But what was helpful is what I valued – he allowed me to value and to instill that in the kids and he didn't diminish it.
0: That's uh, yes. I think that's really important. Like yeah. even, it, you know, it's sort of funny too, because this, here's an, a silly example, golf, you know, Jay's golf obsessed. The man golf, I <laughs> think he, he's golfing right now. I mean, he he's golfing all the time. Right. And, um, and his view of success, like he would really love our kids to do that. He thinks that that would be like wonderful for them to be passed on. And I was like, you know, I don't really care. Then they started golfing. And then I was like, well, wait a second. I don't really want to be left out of this. And so hence my golf (laughs) career has begun. And, um, and you're right. Like not only number one, I think not diminishing it is just really a great way to go about it. And then also you might be surprised by the things that you're like, Oh, you value that. Maybe I do, too. <laughs> <Who> right. <knew? laughs> it's, and, and that's a beautiful
1: thing when it happens, and, and may it always be that way. Um, but what I loved about this, this was just a quick little article in ink, and I think I was texting Elizabeth early today, and what's interesting to me about this is when your kids go back to school, and we've already touched on this a little bit, when your kids go back to school, it's almost like that's when the world invades the family again. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I loved summer. I would just pull the kids in, and it was just this – If most of the choices were our choices, you know, what we wanted to do at night was our choice. Mm -hmm. And so when, when every, when the kids go back to school, I feel like you almost have to brace them, support them, sort of um, strengthen them before they get pushed out into the world again. And, and, you know, Bernie's going to be what in first grade.
0: I know. I can't even talk about it first grade I I can't talk about it now what am I gonna do when she's like a senior in high school I'm gonna melt I'm gonna melt into a puddle
1: but you know exactly what I mean because that's when your children seem most vulnerable and most impressionable about how the world views them and looks at them and you know you're a mama bear like I am I'll never forget there's a kid and I could name him but I'm not going to who Gar went to a birthday party when he was six and the little boy whose birthday party came up to him and said, I didn't want you here. My mom made me invite you.
0: Yikes.
1: And Gar was heartbroken. I mean, absolutely heartbroken.
0: That is crazy. And six years old is when that happened.
1: Six or seven. Well, let me I see. I mean, how do, do you get... not like want to me... go
0: to that kid's house and just like shake him?
1: Let me get the proper age. He was, no, I'm sorry. He was in third grade.
0: Okay. Okay. Eight. Still. Eight. Very young.
1: Very young. And you do, I mean, you just want to, like, give that kid a talking to. <laughs> but you can't. But you can't. But that's what I mean But the world sort of comes in. So I liked this article because it was about raising successful kids, and it was kind of about getting them ready for the world. Yeah. Um, and so the number one thing, and I'll be so interested in this, because this is something Ian and I did, and, I, you know, we're already done. So we did this before this article came out. And it was the number one thing was be a role model. And it wasn't just about being a role model in success. It was about showing your kids how to fail. Ah! Uh. And I used to tell our kids failure stories all the time. Ian and I have had tons of failures. Yeah. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. But I think with the kids, we actually search for them within our own lives to show the kids how to succeed and how to overcome them. And that even though our life might have looked like, oh, my God, you guys are amazing, it's hard and you fail. And I think that's a really interesting thing because I think a lot of parents try and um, put the best face forward, and that's, like, the worst thing that you can do with your kids.
0: Yeah. I think we probably – maybe we need to put more of a best face forward because I think we're really clear when things are hard. I mean, they just know. Like – We're really stressed. This is, feels overwhelming. This, you know, I I feel really tired. I feel really exhausted. I feel, there's a lot of feelings. And then there's a lot of like apologies that happen. Like, I'm sorry that I said that. I'm sorry that I got upset like that. I, you know, and I think sometimes I'm like, boy. Maybe if we just wouldn't do the things we had to apologize for, that would be better. But I guess maybe the
1: apology counts or something. It does. And maybe minimize those to a certain number a week. Yeah. Yeah. But, but in the piece, it said, let them see you do some, let them see that you do sometimes try and come up short because, of course, they will fail at things themselves. And you want to teach them two things. Don't be afraid or ashamed of failure, especially if you've given it their all and rebound from it right away. And yeah. I, think, I think that's the key is if kids don't understand failure, they don't understand how to come back from it. And this was the interesting part. That a few years ago, researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology ran experiments with children as young as 15 months old. The more their parents let them see that they struggled and failed at times, the more resilient the kids became. So, I told you, this is science. They say it's science. But like, like, that's
0: so, that's, the one thing I don't like about those things is when it's like, well, what are you specifically failing at? Like, what's the example of how that's working? I know. I know, because I'm just thinking like, what? Are are you you failing because you're like, uh, I'm trying to reach that top shelf, and I'm failing at reaching the top shelf, and oh, I'm struggling. I mean, give me a break. Like, that's not, like, actual failing. I mean, right. you know, if you're right. talking about, like, what actual failing is, it's like, you know, messing stuff up. I right. I don't know. Right. And I then I wonder, like, well, then what level of exposure for kids of when you're actually failing is okay? I, I mean – It gets confusing. And then I also don't really like the rebound.
1: You're also very tired.
0: I'm very tired right now. But I also don't (laughs) like the rebound so fast. Like, show them how you pop right back up, how you rebound right back up. No, no,
1: no. I don't think it's saying that. I I think it's saying, and I'm not going to go into my failures in this moment or my husband's. But I think what they're saying is that if you really get knocked down, that be open about what the process of rebuilding looks like. Yeah. Not about just like. You know, Rebuilding
0: raised. I like better than rebounding I don't I'll,
1: know I'll write Ink Magazine and say we would like to change Rebound to Rebuild Because Elizabeth is tired And she wants Rebuild but
0: I just want, want you to know too that I would be A great editor for that type of a publication Also I'm a really wonderful editor Of restaurant menus I find every <laughs> typo that's on a restaurant menu if there is a Noted. typo on a restaurant menu, which I'm going to tell you something, nine times out of ten, there, there is. is one on a restaurant yeah. menu. I will find it, and I will point it out see, just to the right people there. at my table, not to someone who works at the restaurant. Well,
1: see, you, you should point it out to the person at the restaurant because that's a failure on their <laughs> part. And then they can go share it with their children.
0: I would see like you to rebound and they can rebuild and bit. rebuild they can
1: rebuild okay the next one teach them to love the outdoors yes 100
0: percent. i'm totally on board with this
1: i totally failed at this one really although my children went to gar went to an outdoor preschool which was quite wonderful but then it kind of ended there yeah he wanted to be in the boy scouts in the worst way but his dad was working nights i went to one boy scout meeting it was all men and me and i said honey I can't do this for you. Yeah,
0: yeah. But you don't have to, like, have them be in Boy Scouts to love the outdoors. You just, like, let them explore the outdoors. I think the biggest thing that you can do is let them be barefoot. Like, being barefoot is very important. And just being outside and, like, letting them just... Stand around and look at bugs and, like, pick up leaves and feel what a stick feels like when you crunch it between your hands and when yeah. you, like, hit it on the ground and just not being afraid to, like, stand there. You know, my kids and I go for a lot of, like, They, Frankie and Bernie ride their bikes and then I take Heathcliff in the stroller right. and we go right. power through. And they love to ride their bikes ahead to to a bench and then they stop and take a rest and, like, look around at things while I'm catching up to them. And I think they're just like sitting there appreciating outside. It's great. No, it's a, that's a really good thing. I generally hate nature. Um So it scares me. It scares what is, me. What's your problem? Are you tired too or what's going on?
1: <laughs> that's right. No, everything kind of scares me. And so I don't think. And About when I, when, outside? Well, just, like, like okay, I'll just be really clear. Like, when they say, teach them to love the outdoors, my kids would play outdoors. I mean, they'd go to the park and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's it. But my, my older son, more than anything, wanted us to be a camping family.
0: Oh, sure.
1: And that just wasn't going to happen. I mean, yeah. it just really – everything scares me. Bears scare me. Snakes scare me. Spiders scare me. I just – certain plants scare me. I mean, it just <laughs> – <laughs> it was going to be difficult to love Nate to teach them to love the outdoors. Although they did spend some time outdoors, but it was a very controlled environment. <laughs> very controlled. Very controlled. But here's what, here now. you can argue with the science. This is what the article says. A study found that children, boys especially, who spent time outdoors at recess during school had better gains in their reading ability over the next two years versus children whose schools didn't guarantee outdoor recess. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Do I believe in that?
0: Yeah. Every and, school should have kids outside no matter the weather, anytime. You just have to dress for it. That, that was like a big thing for me when I was looking at um, schools for Bernie oh, yeah. was making sure that the outdoor time was there.
1: Oh, and for boys, I would have never sent my children to a school that didn't have outdoor time.
0: Yeah. Uh for that boys. That should be the, illegal. You have to have outdoor time.
1: Yeah. And and more so and and this is just because boys have to get that movement out more than girls for the most part. Um if if my particularly my older son, if he didn't have recess, he never would have been able to sit still. Yeah. at, at all. And so he had to go burn energy. I mean, So, yeah, that's important. Okay, number three, teach them to prioritize kindness. Now, this goes back to how did families define success? And I remember this study came out almost 10 years ago because I remember talking about this on the air, either with you or with my husband. But they were talking about, I'm just going to read this to you. It said a couple of years ago, and it's not a couple of years ago, it's like a decade ago. (laughs) A psychologist in business school, Professor Adam Grant, and his wife, Allison Sweet Grant, wrote a book about kids and kindness. In the article they wrote for The Atlantic around the same time, they made an interesting point. Tell me if you remember this, because this stuck with me. Huh? More than 90% of U.S. parents say that one of their top priorities is that their children be caring. But if you ask children what their parents' top priorities are for them, 81% said their parents value achievement and happiness over caring.
0: Wow. Really?
1: Yeah. And that, I, that stuck out to me at the time. I remember talking about it because I – if you really start to listen to parents, if you really, really listen to what they're telling their kids, at least when I was raising my children, it wasn't so much about kindness. And I'm talking about when the kids are 11, 12, mm-hmm. 13, 14. It was about how, how were your grades? How did you do? And then you get into the 15-year-old, 16-year-old age. Where are you going to college? Where do the kids need to be prepared? How are you preparing them to go to the best schools? That chatter starts. And so it's not about kindness at that point. It's about achieving and winning. Mm -hmm. When Gar didn't know where he was going to go to school, I feel like I'm just talking about my older son so
0: much. But Campbell exists too.
1: He does. Campbell (laughs) was much more chill. Sorry, Gar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but I think for a lot of kids, there's that anxiety when everybody's asking you, like, you know, where are you going to college? Where are you going to college? Where are you going to college? And I just to guard, just make up anything.
0: Yeah, just they say don't something. really
1: care. <laughs> they don't. And it was the same thing when he when both of them were graduating from college because people start, you know, where are you going to go to work? Where are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? do? And I said, make it up. Yeah, just make it up. You're yeah. moving to Florida to go to clown school, and just, <laughs> you just keep changing it. And see how people react because you don't have to be stressed about it. You feel like the whole world's looking at you at that age, but people don't care.
0: Well, you also have to remember that it's just people. It's just people's like natural thing to ask you what the next thing is. It's like all they can think of to talk about. It's like the second you get married, they go, well, when are you going to have a baby? Right. The second you get, have a boyfriend, when are you, are, is he the one you're going to marry? You right. know, it's just like you can, and th- I think so much of that is just like American culture. We can just never be. Right. We can never be. (laughs) That's, I'm just gonna put a period there. We can never be. It's always about where we're going next. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting.
1: Well here, Elizabeth, I retired on Thursday. No, yeah, last Thursday.
0: This is very exciting, Mark. So I've been,
1: I've been retired. I'm getting another job at some point, but right now I'm just being. I have no idea what I'm gonna do next.
0: This feels very good for you to have this.
1: It does see how long my, hu- my husband keeps saying, how long will that last? I don't know. What I know to be true is lasted a week so far. Just okay. say to him,
0: I don't want to tell you where I'm going. I'm just going to be. Right.
1: <laughs> what was add- the sound
0: at the end? I like that one. <laughs> just add it.
1: Um, add it at the end. This next one we all know, praise them the right way.
0: Oh yeah, this is very good. This is about praising the process, not the, um, not the end result. Am I right? I didn't even read the article. I'm just That's asking you, you. do your homework? No, I just glanced at the headlines and I didn't get into the actual meat of it. I was like, You're oh, exactly I like right. these things. Okay, let's talk about it, but I'm not getting, I'm not getting into the stats. I waited for you to do that.
1: <laughs> You're exactly right on this one. It's about the process. And then, yeah. um, this one was interesting. Number five, this is an article about how to raise successful kids. And I think this is important that you sort of drill down a little bit on this before your kids go back to school. That's why we're talking about it now because, boy, the world is a tough, tough place. Um, be there for them and then some. And yeah. the author goes on to say, yeah, there's a lot of negative press about, you know, this generation gets over-babied, over-watched, over over-everything. But at the same time, he was saying, you just have to make sure that your kids know that you're there. And that was something, honestly, with my kids um, who are about to turn 30 and 28, um, that I always said to them, there will never be a time when you can't come back home. Mm -hmm. There will never be a time when there isn't a net underneath you. So do whatever you want have the adventure, take risks, because there will always be the net underneath you.
0: Oh, that's really great.
1: Yeah, because I never wanted them to feel scared about anything. Yeah. So, and that isn't overprotective, that isn't anything. It's just, if, what are we, why are we a family if not for that?
0: Yeah, yeah, that, I I think you're right. You know, my parents always said, you can come home whenever you want. Like, if you want to come home, And I think they always knew that we weren't, you know, they had raised us to be people who weren't going to just be like, I'm going to be home and then live there forever, you know, but it was, you can come home whenever you want. And all of us did at some point, like all of us, you know, and we all, you know, went to college. We all then left and moved into different cities and did whatever. And then there was always like a little interstitial period for all of us. For me, it was almost two years of living at home and kind of just having that little net and having like, oh man, like a little place to breathe after school and then trying to build your career. And you know, you have to remember, I mean, this is the one thing too, that I think like millennials and young millennials get a bad rap for moving home. Well, here's the newsflash guys. People don't get married at 22 anymore. So if you got married at 22, Maybe you know someone who can relate to this, Marjorie Punnett. I don't know. Maybe it's you. Whatevs. Um, But then you start your own, number one, you kind of start your own home. But number two, you have a dual, a lot of times then you would have like a dual income situation where you would have two people making money and living in like a little one-bedroom. Well, guess what happens when you live in a little one-bedroom by yourself? You have to absorb all of the costs of that. I mean, it's just like, I I don't like this, like, giving these kids a bad rap for moving home or living at home and figuring things out when, like, we've set up the world to be that way. I mean, that's just the way that it has to be for a lot of people unless you want to say, I'm just going to get, like... If you're going to cohabitate with somebody or you're going to have a roommate or something like that. But that's not always feasible in different times.
1: Well, and and didn't it – I think you you said it perfectly that when you had already been out, you were already building your career, you came back and you had a moment to breathe. Yeah. And I just think that's that's the joy of it. And I'm not talking about it. I mean, if my kids came home now and were like, you know what? We're not going to work. We're not yeah. going to do anything. We're just going to hang out. That's a problem. Right. And that's not what we're talking about. But, I mean, I knew you in that period when you had mm-hmm. moved home. And it was brilliant because it allowed you to very easily buy your first house. right? Which is the beginning of building a life. Right. And I think that's so important. So I think – so the point of the article was how to raise a successful kid, be there always, forever.
0: Yeah, I think that's really wonderful. You know, um two nights – was it last night? I don't know, you guys. I'm so tired. I can't keep track of what day it was. But <laughs> I was putting the kids to bed, and I think it was two nights ago, and um I – And like Jay got them to bed and then I was with the baby, you know, we were like tag teaming and then I went in with the big kids and they sleep together in Franklin's room. So they sleep on, so we have bunk beds in Frankie's room. We have a full size bed on the bottom bunk and then a twin on the top. And then this bunk bed also has a... Um, trundle, too. We got it from Wayfair, in case you were wondering. It's really oh, quite awesome. lovely. Yeah, it's nice. It's a real pain in the patootie to make this bed. Yeah. I mean, good God almighty. I hate my that, kids
1: have bunk beds. It's the only reason I hate bunk beds. Yeah, yeah. And I, to me.
0: I was making them the other day, and I was thinking, I can see the day that people are like, I'm so happy to get these out of my house. Anyway, yeah. today is not that day. I feel very good about them, but I just laid in there with them. And, um, like I climbed in the bed with them and I kind of like curled around the bottom and laid there with them. And just like, I just, it was like 10 minutes that I just laid in there with them. I just listened to their chatter and like, they would say little things to me. And then, you know, Frankie says all these like dopey, silly things. Cause he's a four year old little boy. Who's just like, blah, 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 blah. And. You know, he's just like, like, what if we had, what if we had horns on our faces? (laughs) Moho, You know, there's just like funny things. And, um, and I just laid there with them and I thought like, this is just so nice. And they were both like, you know, Bernie wanted to hold my hand and Frankie wanted to like snuggle in closer. And I, I did have one of those moments of like, this time is fleeting and I, and the more time that you can spend not trying to tell them something and not trying to teach um, them something yeah. and not trying to make them into something, but just listening to who they are is the most precious thing. And that's where you, you learn the most about them is just absolutely in those quiet moments, which I yeah. mean, isn't that the truth about so much in life? Just yeah. be, are they, just be. A,
1: that is a thing for you tonight. Is just yeah, being. I'm like
0: done with Nike. Just do it. I don't want to do anything. <laughs> I just want to be. I don't want to do it. I don't want do to do any more.
1: It's hard to sell athletic wear.
0: <laughs> when you <laughs> say
1: just be, don't move. Just don't, be. Don't do anything. That should
0: be like, maybe that will be my athleisure line. <laughs> and it's not meant for doing anything, which is being that'd I be par- great
1: i will partner with you on that one because i think either we're both really tired i think there might be a little bit of genius in that
0: i'm tired there maybe be- every so often every maybe like every month we need to do like an 8 p.m 9 p.m yeah. podcast and with a with a person who's so sleep deprived i mean Heath, he's just been waking up so much and i just think why do you do this
1: <laughs> you know what would only make this better Is if we were both drinking.
0: If we were drinking. It sounds like we're drinking. And I I am stone cold. Oh, well, I did have um, half a hard seltzer at that brewery. I should admit that. There
1: you go. (laughs) You can wrap.
0: I'll wrap it right now. You're done. (laughs) I know. I feel very good about being done. All right. Here we go. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. And if you need to say in the review that these two are loopy, loopy, loop, we'll take it.
1: That's fine. Yeah, we'll take it. Uh, Okay, from Sarah, I'm going to call her Sarah Moo. Okay. Even though it's really Sarah M00, but I like Sarah Moo better. (laughs) She wrote to us and said, you bring joy! Exclamation mark! You bring joy! Life gets busy and I don't always get to listen each week, but when I come back to catch up, I feel a sense of calm and joy when I listen to your podcast, like catching up with an old friend. You bring such great perspectives to all the little daily joys and struggle and remind me that I'm not the only one that experiences bumps along the road of being a mom, wife, and chief organizer of our family life. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sarah Moo. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home.
2: To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night.